turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. 300-5124. The following program is sponsored by Grace Church, Dumfries, Virginia. Grace Church, real people, real lives. Grace Church, real lives, real change. Grace Church, real people, real lives, real change. Hello. And welcome to Grace for Today with Dr. Derek Greer. Hear this message and more online at gracechurchva.org. Here's Dr. Greer. There was a period in my, my 20s that I was, I was so beaten that I was like, Lord, maybe I presumed. Maybe you are. I can't deny you are. But I presumed thinking I could know you and that I can concretely trust you. So it took me months that the thing was so hard to heal my heart to get to a place of faith. Has anyone in this room ever kind of been there? Okay, not a lot of hands are going up, but live long enough, you might see some things. But the point is God knows how to bring you back, amen? He said, but I know that even now you are a man of God still. I mean, maybe not the Messiah, though, but you're a man of God, and God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Jesus is intentionally being ambiguous. He knows how she's going to respond. He's drawing her out. God will set up situations in your life to intentionally draw you out, to have a certain conversation with him that exposes your doubt that you, you pretend it wasn't there, that exposes your lack of conviction when, when you, you really thought it would. You hear what I'm saying? Life will, will, will draw out of you what's really in And Jesus asks a question that, that causes her to give an answer. And the interesting thing is, if we were in Sunday school, we would say this answer was correct. But life does not happen in Sunday school. Life happens, you know, in the house while people are screaming. Life happens in the middle of a car accident. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Life happens all around us all day long. God does not want a faith that is so theologically correct that we're no earthly good. I believe in being theologically correct. I read through this, this Bible at least once a year. I, I look to the scholars, appreciate the scholars. But we need to read something here. Verse 12. Is that where I, I belong? Where am I? I'm at verse 21. Thank you. 23. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Let me change places here. Martha answered. She gives a perfect Sunday school answer. She gets a star on her head. I know he will rise again at the resurrection. She has right doctrine. You would think Jesus would say, the Sadducees didn't believe it. I mean, that was a major group at that time. They were Sadducees because they didn't believe in the resurrection. So you think he got excited, but instead we, we, we begin to hear rebuke. Jesus says, I am. But let me back up. He said, your doctrine's right. But your problem is you don't have right now faith. You can have sterile, cold doctrine just right. Get a star on your head every day. 
I mean, you, 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 you're right in the fact that we're not a, a glorified planet of the apes. We didn't come from monkeys. You, you got the, the fact right that Jesus is the only way to God. You got it right that, that God is triune. You got it right that we need to be baptized by water. You got it right. All the essential doctrines you got right, but you're good for nothing while you live on planet Earth. She had it right. But she was so wrong. Many of us have doctrines so perfect. The problem with it is so far away, you have to die to enjoy it. He looks at her and says, I am not, I will be. The word I am literally means all that I've ever been, all that I ever will be, I am right now. He was saying, you woman, I don't want a faith when I die by and by. That is not what I'm looking for. On planet Earth. Thank God that we know when we die by and by, everything's going to be all right. But if that was all we needed to know, we needed to come to church one time. Read me John 3, CT, walk away, live my life, and die. But obviously there's more to the gospel. But Jesus wouldn't say don't forsake the the assembling of yourselves together because I got some stuff to teach you. Are you tracking with me? Jesus looks at her and says, ego imai in the Greek. He's saying, woman. What is this? What is all this religious thinking that divorces my truth from the now? I'm not going to love you. I love you. I'm not going to care for I care for you. He says, woman, I am the resurrection and the life. And all that God ever will be, I am right now. And I am here with you. And I love you. Then he goes on to say, he who believes in me will live, even though he what? Dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will what? Never what? Then he says, do you what? What's he getting at? Her belief system. Right doctrine, wrong belief system. That might be crazy. You didn't know that could happen. Right doctrine, wrong belief system. And then she goes on because she feels the rebuke. And she goes back, okay, okay, okay. I know you're Christ. She, she, she reverts back. So you got me on this resurrection thing. I'm a little bit lost, but, but, but I do know I can trust you. Yes, Lord, she told I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming to the world. Verse 28. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. said, the teacher, a rabbi, is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not entered the village, but was uh, still at the place where Martha had met him. Uh, Jesus certainly knows how to make an entrance. Also, there were people there that wanted to kill him, and uh, he was aware of it, and uh, he was moving very cautiously at this time in his ministry. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforted her, her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, uh, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to uh, mourn there. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet as well, and said what? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have what? The blame game. Once again, she's doing the same thing her sister did. But at least if you're going to fall, fall grabbing Jesus' feet. Fall forward. She fell grabbing his Lord. And there are times that you, you, you might, Lord, why? Make sure you're talking with the Lord, you're at his feet. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Bible's very careful about what it says because there's only so many words God wanted to use in this book. He doesn't waste space. 
He says, when he saw them weeping, the Jews had come along with Jesus. He was deeply moved, meaning when he saw what was going, it got him angry. This term deeply moved in spirit and troubled is a very polite way to say he got angry and irritated. Jesus got upset. The whole situation was getting on his last nerve. Do you know what gets God frustrated or upset more than any one thing is people that refuse to believe. As we've been saying, one of the most natural responses a man could have to a holy God is to trust him. If I can't lie, I won't cheat, I won't steal, and I love you, how dare you question me? So all unbelief means we believe the lie. That something's dark in our mind. There's something wrong with our, our thinking, our reasoning. Unbelief is as demonic as a cocaine habit. Now, we may not have many cocaine habits in this room, but we might have a little bit of unbelief. If we had the values that Christ had, though, we'd be as vigilant against the unbelief as we are against the cocaine. Because I may not, some of y'all, I won't even find a bottle of alcohol in your house. But I will find a whole, a whole house full of unbelief and unwillingness to believe the truth of the word of God. God said, I'd rather you drink your wine. If I had to choose between that and you believe in me with your heart. I lost my place again. First what? Thank you. I typed, I, I print this out in big print too. Uh, you know, but when Jesus saw him weeping, you know, he was deeply moved. He's angry. You need to hear the tone though. You got to understand what's happening. He is not, you know, we have a wrong image of Jesus. We've created Jesus in our image and likeness. He's that skinny, pasty face. Weekly, we, we, I, I hate what I see in some of these churches. Forgive me for saying it so passive, but it's true. That Jesus is so weak. The Bible speaks differently. Pilate was surprised that he was so soon dead. Pilate didn't understand that he wasn't just hanging on the cross. He was taking the sin and the curse on the world. So there was more on him than just some nails. But the Bible says Pilate was surprised that he had so soon died on Crowley's cross. Why? If he was a weak, sickly little guy, barely making it in the room, you wouldn't be surprised. But he was surprised because there was a strength about Jesus. He, was, he is the life. He's a life about Jesus. When Jesus looked at you, man, his eyes danced. His face danced. Every muscle in his face was used accurately and appropriately. Jesus was full of passion, vigor, strength, life. Just like the jungle. I'm not comfortable in the jungle because I'm from the suburbs, you know. I don't want all those bugs, all those insects. But you see, God, when he created this planet, he got bugs flying. You got, you got fish swimming. You got, you're just full of life. Everything is green stuff buzzing around you. And God, by nature, is vibrant and full of life. And if he has his way, he makes everything lifely. Right? So Jesus is mad. Also know... Jesus is a celebrity. He's, he's, he's fed the multitudes already. I mean, you know, we have musical rock stars. Back then they had rabbis. He was the, the rabbi from Nazareth, this upstart, calling himself God. Everyone knew about it. So when he walked in, every eye was on him. But Jesus didn't try to put on a poker face. Jesus was not intimidated at all by anyone in that room. Sometimes when the Holy Ghost comes on me strong, I get nervous. 
Because I'm like, how are they going to receive what I'm, because everyone thinks Jesus is just, I said it's lesser, I can't improve. But you kind of think Jesus is a Michael Jackson, so just forgive me again, Lord, for, for saying that. You know, not really a man, but not really a woman. You know, and just, you know, with life and, you know, you know, and just, you know, just think he's this little weak character. Jesus was a carpenter. He had rough hands. When he shook your hand, even though they didn't do it back there, but if he shook your hand, you'd feel a grip. They tried to throw him off the cliff. We talk about this. He walked right through the crowd. There was something about him that was absolutely regal and controlling, not in the wrong way. Storm would come against him. He'd be like, get out of here. People never met such a man. They were all afraid. Oh, they got the leprosy, the leprosy. And anyone who touched the leper was unclean. Jesus was like, he was so full of life, instead of their death getting on him, his life would get on them and heal them. Jesus was alive. And he was angry, livid. And he said, where did you, have you laid him? Get the tone in the, everyone's eyes on Jesus. And they said, come and see, Lord. They replied. Now, Jesus has gone from laughing to weeping. Now he's about to cry. Jesus has gone through a lot of different emotions. It seems crazy to the natural mind, but from his vantage point, this is perfect sanity. Often when the world is rejoicing, God is weeping. Whenever, right now, the, the nation's rejoicing over certain stuff. I wonder what God's doing. But that's not a political statement. But I've found it's just a biblical truth. God sees things differently than we do. So Jesus is crying. Why is he crying? Because the prophet said, he said, Lord, in thy wrath, remember mercy. He's angry at the unbelief. He's angry at what death has done and has been doing to man since the fall of Adam. He hates it. He hates the pain that we go through. He hates the suffering. He's disgusted by it all. And, and there's it, an anger, there's a holy rage, if you will, that caused him to stretch out his arms in just a few chapters and hang on that cross because he hates it so to, to, to strip it from us, to carry our infirmities and our weaknesses that we might be free from it. Are you tracking with me? He's weeping. He's it's not, everyone else is putting on a show, though. You know, back in that culture, just like many Middle Eastern cultures, you put on a show when, when someone dies. Everyone has to scream, tear the clothes up, and it's just a mess. And everyone, you know, and all that stuff is going on. Jesus, it's just some tears. And he sees this. And, and he, he's, he's angry at the unbelief. Then, verse 36, the Jews said, see how he loved him. Suddenly the crowd is disarmed for him, uh, by him. They don't, they don't understand him at all. It, he wasn't crying over Lazarus. They, he was going to see him in just five minutes. Would you cry over someone you're going to see in five minutes? Why would you, oh, I miss Lazarus. I must, he knows what he's going to do. He's not crying over Lazarus' loss. He's interceding, and he's crying about the condition of man. Here's the resurrection in life, and they're talking about by and by. 
Here God is in the moment. He's talking about when I die. Are you hearing me? But some of them said, got to get to blaming him again, of course. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? They couldn't even let Jesus cry. Wouldn't even let him finish his cry. Verse 38, Jesus has to get mad again. Jesus once more, meaning just like the last time. His face is now shooting fire. See, you you got a different picture of this, this Lazarus tomb thing, but the Bible is painting another. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, limestone, you know, cut into. And Jesus is not being nice. He says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad order, for he's been dead there for four days. Come on, Master, I know you're upset. I know, I know, I know, I know. But, but don't do this. Resistance, even from his own friends here. And Jesus looks at, didn't I tell you, woman? If you believed, you would see the glory of God. Don't mess with this. This is a God thing. So they took away the stone. Basically, Jesus had to intimidate them, and I use that word loosely, to make them move the stone. Sometimes what the love of God can't make you do, the fear of God might. And God will use both. You ever get so mad at people you can't even talk to them anymore? You start talking to yourself? Yeah, I mean, I did it with my kids. I saw this, you know. That's what Jesus did. He, got, he was so mad, he couldn't even talk to them. Because if he said a word, lightning might flash and swallow them up, and he'd have to do five or six more resurrections. <laughs> so he starts talking to the Father. Starts talking to God. Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of them standing there. I'm not talking to them on purpose because, Lord, you know if I do, I'm talking to you, Father. I'm, I'm doing this for their benefit so that they might believe on the one you sent. When he said this, Jesus does not say this in a whisper. There's intensity. He says in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. As you've heard said before, Jesus had to be specific. Because if he would have just said, come out, there would have been a parade that would have been coming out from this, to this day, there'd be people still walking out of that tomb one by one in columns and rows. All the dead would have been raised. All of them. So he had to be specific. Lazarus. And the angels passed over and said, no, not that one, that one, that one. They grabbed him. Put him right back in that body. And the Bible says that I don't know, I think the glory of God picked him up and brought him to the front of the tomb. But while he was there, it was was a very interesting picture. It says here in verse 44, the dead man came out, his hands and feet with strips of linen and a cloth around his what? Face. You got to get the picture here. There's a man here. He's... And while he's doing it, now listen, this guy they just buried, 
These guys know death. Matter of fact, you know, even if the glory of God didn't take it, imagine they just hear the noise of Elijah coming out. Everyone's eyes are big. And then as he has a, a face thing on him, and he... And everybody is like, oh my God. God wants to do something so genuine in your life. A thing that is such a God thing that people are going to be afraid to touch it. Jesus' ministry actually explodes when you read the text after this because people hear of this miracle. No one wanted to touch him. It scared them. God wants to be more than a textbook God, someone you can fit into your nice Sunday between, what, 1030 and 12. He wants to be resurrection and life. He wants to break out into every area of life and be not just real when we die, but real today. So he has to speak to the people. They don't, again, they don't want to touch him. Take off his grave clothes. Why would Jesus have to say that? Because no one wanted to touch him and let him go. The assignment of the church today is that as men and women come out of their tombs, God's calling them by name, come out. But what we do sometimes, they're too scary. They're dressed too short. Or they have too many needle marks in their arm. Or they're gay. Or they're whatever they are. And we can, oh, no, 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 no. God is saying, no, 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 no. The function of the church is to loose them and to let them go. Free them from their lifestyle. Get the power to, to control themselves and do the right things. To take off the grave clothes. What happens in too many churches, people come in to get saved and we wrap them up in great clothes. Get them more tradition, more nonsense, more regulation and rules. They end up worse than before they were saved. But Jesus said, loose them. Take off the great church. Take off the grave clothes and let them go. Grant them freedom. That's the call. That's the mission. I can't raise the dead, but God can. Our assignment is after he does the work to faithfully unwrap and just help them to see again who they are in Christ. Help them to hear again the word of God. Put the right word in their mouth. Let them, put something in their heart so they can say the right things. You hear what I'm saying? Give them their lives back. Not just religiosity, churchianity, but real resurrection life. The disciples they took control of nations. And at first it was just slaves that became converts. Before, before long, Constantine, there were kings that were converts. How did they do it? Not for, for the faith that said, when I die, by and by. But they had a resurrection faith. They had a faith where God would be right now in this moment, whatever he was with Moses, whatever he will be in, in, in the millennium to come. He is right now in me. 
And with it, they lay hands on the sick. They raise the dead. They cast out demons. They change nations because they had resurrection faith. Resurrection literally means getting up. Why would God give us getting up or the get up if he didn't think we'd never be knocked down? As saved as you are, there are going to be times you're going to be hit hard. We see, for, for the believer, that's not a problem. Oh, they took my house. So what? God will give you another bigger, better, brighter, and probably pay it off sooner than last time. God is the getting up. Why did these men, how did these men take the whole world? They kept getting up. They beat them, left for dead, shipwrecked. They get up again. Stone Paul, left for dead. He get up again. So why are you sitting down? I mean, you say God, you say you're a believer, but why are you down? Get up! Yeah. Oh, you can cry, but cry while you're getting out of that chair. <laughs> cry while you're getting out of that mess. God is a God of turnaround, and he will let stuff go bad for a season because he's more interested in receiving glory. He, listen, by the time it's done, no one could say it was Lazarus' intellect, it was his strength, his charm, none of that. It was Jesus. And sometimes God lets stuff happen. So in the end, you say, well, it wasn't my wit. It wasn't my education. It was none of those things. It was God. And that's God's motive sometimes for delaying his answer in prayer. And what you want immediately is not necessarily what God wants ultimately. So when you don't understand, let God be God and trust him. And in the end, it will speak. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. You can get your copy of this teaching on our website at gracechurchva.org. That's gracechurchva.org. Subscribe to our website to learn more about Grace Church, and you can get directions, free downloads, and more. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Grace Church VA. That's Grace Church VA. We invite you to worship with us here at Grace Church on Sunday or Wednesday. We are just minutes from Potomac Mills and Quantico Marine Base. We look forward to seeing you here at Grace, where we are real people with real lives experiencing real change. That's our time for today. Thank you to the partners of Grace for Today and the Ministry Minute. Your loving contributions and commitment help us continue to stay on the air and reach people all around the world. And together, we are making a difference. Join us in the Word Again Monday here on Grace for Today. Grace Church, real people.